Listen of Grace Revolution and it's entitled Sacred Cows. Enjoy. Daddy God, thank you once again for your love and your presence and your smile and your beauty and the fact that we can relax in your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For everything, everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, even though we sometimes we're staring hardship right in the face, thank you that somewhere along the line we know that we can rest in the knowledge that you never leave us nor forsake us. And so you're there with us. And we thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Help me, Lord, tonight. Amen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Grace Revolution, chapter 19. It's been a long journey. 19 weeks uh, without a break, I think. Where's Mavis? She's still. She's with her children. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, yeah, so we've covered uh, we've covered uh, two groups of lessons. One was a different food, a different cheese. You remember, we started with uh, a different cheese, and then we went to ring that rooster's neck. License to sin, red card, then it's take on grace, the grace challenge. What happened? And then something that to me is so very basic and so very uh, fundamental. It's not about you. It's not about you. Uh, it's this, this, this whole thing is not about you. The, the, one of the greatest mistakes that, that we make is that we open the Bible, we read a verse of scripture, and we say, he's talking to me. And he's not talking to you. He's not talking to you unless someone inside your heart speaks through that verse to you. But don't just open the Bible and read a verse of Scripture and say, Ah, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you... That's for me. No, that's not for you. He said that to Israel. If there's something inside of you, you can appropriate it because it's a good verse of Scripture. But don't go to the, don't go to the curses and to the stuff because it's not about you. It's about... God in the contacting humanity. And so he does it in different ways. Okay, anyway. So we, went to, we, we saw the church. We saw that, uh, that Jesus split, the, split humanity right down the middle. Those who are for us and those who are against us. And again, that to me is such a liberating thought. Because I don't have to fight with the Methodists. I don't have to try and convince the Baptists. I don't have to judge and condemn Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes or... Uh, I don't have to do any like any of that. That's, that's my father's business. My business is to love them and to... And if they ask my opinion, I can, I can tell them what I think. But I don't have to, you know, look for... Ah, uh, uh, Creflo Dollar has got a, a plane, $64 million. Well, he's... Name is Dollar, so when when your when your surname is Dollar, what do you expect? I mean, I mean, if my name was Mario Euro, Mario, I also would do well. 
but you see, you know what I mean? The, and, and it's so liberating because all of a sudden you don't have to, you don't have to judge, you don't have, and it's hard. I, I know for you it's not. But for me sometimes it's hard because I, I sit there and I hear nonsense and it's so easy for me to judge and to, and, and to, to step into something that is wrong because Jesus said, if they're not against us, before us, in brackets, so leave them alone. Okay. And then we went on the enemy of grace, the will of God, the will of God, we saw that, uh, uh, you remember the, we, we did the, the green house and the, and the red house and the blue house and the yellow house and uh, we had that, uh, that uh, beautiful revelation that uh, God doesn't care which house you choose, He's going to be with you in the yellow house if you choose the yellow house, he's going to be with you in the red house, if you choose the red house, in the blue house, if you choose the blue house. So, so his will is not limited to location and to uh, transportation. Which car do I buy and what, uh, what house do I, where do I go and uh, which woman do I marry? No, it's, uh, his will is to give thanks in all things and to have a good time with him. So, Grace, bottom line, once and for all, your new identity, oneness, why perfect, no strings attached last week was the second one. Now, tonight, I would like to um, tackle uh, a bit of a strange subject. Sacred cows are the ones that we grew up with and they actually they hurt a lot when they die when you kill a sacred cow it'll go because it's hard to die why because we've always done it this way before because we've always talked about this thing. Because my family grew up like this. Because I, since I was a child I was told that. Because last week in church they said. And because everybody. And because I mean it's, it's everywhere. And, and some of these sacred cows. Are very very. Um, sacred. <laughs> okay. We're going to go. We're going to go through. Through it quite quickly, well, as usual. The first sacred cow is the Ministry of Deliverance. And this is a favorite in, uh, in, uh, in the, some, of the, some of the big uh, ministries overseas. Uh, everybody's looking for demons, they, they're casting out demons right, left, and center. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, and um, I'll tell you something. The one time I was in the Ukraine with this this uh, big guy from New York, and, um, and the church was about was about ten thousand people in in, uh, in uh, uh, Kiev, and it was a Zimbabwean, a Zimbabwean, and um, amazingly enough, when we went to this got nothing to do with it, but we went to the restaurant to eat at night, and outside was this uh, Cadillac. Stretch limousine Cadillac with dark windows, and I and I and I told the pastor, "Hi, hey. hi, girl, come, welcome, come." And I, I told the pastor, I asked the pastor if uh, if this was one of the the, the Russian mafia um, 
you know, if we, we're supposed to be careful and everything. No, says, no, that's the pastor. <laughs> yeah, that was the pastor. So anyway, so we, it's okay, Lazar. We got. And, um, and so, um, w- um, this guy, we, we went to this big church and everything. And, uh, and the first thing that he did, he, start, he, he called out for demons. He started, he started preaching on the... On, uh, on the fact that uh, uh, the ministry of deliverance um, and demons and boy did they come they, they came they came they came salivating they came vomiting they came this is in church in church and I'm looking at this thing and I said and I said yeah, and, and I'm saying and I'm saying what this is a picture of the failure of the cross. This is a picture of the failure of the blood of Jesus Christ. And why? Because someone opens up the door to misconception and to basically to, to, to lie, to, 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 um, to, to untruth. And the people drink it. Because for some reason, uh, I was in Sicily the other day and... Uh, this, this pastor invites me uh, to go preach in his church and uh, we go in for coffee before and we sit down. The first thing he says to me, he says, I believe in demons. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I will not say what I said to them. But the, the, fact, the fact is that this is a sacred cow. And you know it and I know it. Because if, I, if you were to talk to... 90% of, of modern Christianity, they will tell you that, yeah, no, Jesus, Jesus said to cast out demons and everything. Okay, so let's look at some scripture, because like I said to you from the beginning, the, one, of the, one of the things that I ask you to do is I ask you to chew the cheese, but check the scripture. We're going to look at scripture and we're going to see what the scripture says. Okay? Because Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, it's not tradition, it's not, we're talking about sacred cows. We're not, it's not tradition, it's not, uh, a tradition is a sacred cow, okay? And just because it's old, it doesn't make it right. If you check some of the some of the church fathers right in the beginning, Tertullian and Saint Augustine and stuff, they had their ideas up the wall, screwed up, something untold. But today, most of the churches you must go back to the primitive church, to the church of, of the Book of Acts. So anyway, so the, uh, Colossians one thirteen and fourteen. This is what Scripture says. He has delivered us. Past tense. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us, past tense, into the kingdom of the Son and His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Okay? So, this is the only place in the Bible where the word deliverance appears. And it appears... On the basis of, he has delivered us. Okay? Now, so yeah, but, uh, but I know somebody, I also know somebody. 
what we're talking about, we're talking about our knowing somebody is not going to change the truth. The truth says he has delivered us from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his, of his son. Now, in the kingdom of his son, last time I checked, there are no demons. Right? I've been wanting to say that for a long, long time. Okay, Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6 and verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the sage, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Right? We got that scripture. Now go, go to Colossians 2.15. And let's see what it says. Having disarmed principality. We do not wrestle against princi- uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Okay? Uh, Paul says that Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers. And made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. So we're not fighting flesh and blood, we're fighting principalities and powers. How do we fight them? With the fact that they've already been defeated. That's it. That, that's how, but you know, it's, it's, the devil will latch onto what you believe and if you allow him to think that you believe that you can have a demon, boy, he will... Right, right from the beginning of my, of my uh, ministerial, ministerial, whatever you call it, life, right in the, in the 93, 94, the first times when I went to Italy, I went into this church where everybody had a demon. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and they, they, would, they would pray for them and they would bring a bucket. And, because, and I asked the guy, why do you bring a bucket? No, because they vomit. I say, why do the demons come out in little pieces? How, do, how, do, how, does, how, does, it, how does it happen? No, but you don't understand. It's because... You can they pray for it. For the bananas and, and spaghetti. And, and boy, you could, you could follow all the track back to a week before. So... Why? Because the devil will latch on to what you allow him to believe. Now, can you be disturbed by a demon? Of course you can be disturbed by a demon. You can be disturbed by a human being. You can be disturbed by anybody. It will be thoughts that come your way. It will be temptations that come your way. He will, he will use the flesh. He will use, the, he will use uh, your mind, your unrenewed mind. That's why it's so important to renew your mind. That's why it's so important to believe that he cannot do anything to the inside of you. Because the moment you, you believe that, he's locked out. He comes and he says, I'm in food sack. What do you want? Go away. I'm not talking to you. I'm, go away. No, but I want to... No, I'm not talking to you. You have no right to address me. I'm a son of God. You're a son of a snake. So, get away. Okay? So that's one uh, very big sacred cow. And boy, does, does it take a lot of killing to get rid of this one. Because for some reason... 
And look, I believe in the supernatural, but the, the, there, are, there are some things that go beyond the understanding. Jesus, Jesus said, uh, an evil and unbelieving generation is always looking for a sign. That's what he said. And he said, I'm going to give you one sign. And that is the sign of the prophet John. Three days and three nights in the tomb. And the sign is, I didn't stay in the tomb, in the, in the belly of the fish. I was resurrected. That is the only sign that you need. Everything else. But you know what? We hang our doctrine. We, we hang sometimes our Christianity. We hang it on, you know what? I actually saw someone with cancer that was healed. Well, let me tell you something. You saw one person with cancer healed. I saw 1,000 that died. Sorry, but that is the truth. That is the truth that will set you free. Is the thing that when something hits you, you, you go into the hands of your father, a father who loves you and doesn't require for you that you need to have special faith or, uh, you know, you've got to fast and you've got to confess and you've got to do it. And everything is right and everything is wonderful and everything is profitable, like Paul says. But not, I don't submit myself to everything. You want to fast, you fast. You want to pray, you pray. You want to use positive confession, you use positive confession. But don't, but don't hold God to ransom because you are saying the scripture. By the stripes of Jesus on me, by the stripes of Jesus on me. And, and, and the devil laughs because you're putting your faith in what you're doing with your mouth instead of in the love of God. And if by any chance you manage... To get healed is because you used the right confession. It's because you had enough faith. It's because you, do, you did all the spiritual gymnastics that forced God to heal you. When it's his desire for you to have life and have it more abundantly. But you know it and I know it. People die. Yeah? Yeah, statistics say that. 100 percent of the people. Yeah, but see, and that's that's another thing. Anyway, forgive me, but this is a this is a big sacred cow for me. Is the fact that you know Jesus heals everybody. We're gonna look at it now. Sadly, he doesn't. And every one of us, like this, can think of someone who did not get healed. Now, is Jesus into the healing business? Of course he is. I'm sure every one of you has experienced someone who was healed supernaturally. What I'm saying is don't hold God responsible or don't hold him to ransom because he must heal Somehow, I don't think our comfort on this earth is really God's prerogative. Okay, let's carry on. Second, uh, sacred cow. Ah, there you go. Everyone healed and prosperous. 
And this, this is a big cow, especially in the, in, the, in, the, in the American church, because, you know, it's a, it's a basis on which most of the churches are, uh, function. And 1 Timothy 5.23, this, uh, this is Paul talking to his, uh, to his son, Timothy, to his spiritual son. And he says, he says, uh, Tim, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine. I knew that Paul was Italian. <laughs> but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent illnesses. This is a spiritual son of Paul. And I mean, come on, guys. We all know, but you, we, we all know that Paul was talking about the, the, the thorn in the flesh, and we 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 we've we've, uh, we've managed to go around, turn around. But bottom line, there was something wrong with his eyes because he said to the Galatians, he says, "When I came to you, you loved me so much, you accepted me so much, you would have plucked your own eyes out and given them to me so that I could see well." And somewhere along the line, we we. We link God's acceptance to our comfort. And that's not the way it is. That's why you can, only, you can only please God by faith. You trust Him regardless. And that's why Paul, in the book of, um, in the book of Philippians, he says, I, through, through thick and thin, through having, not having, through... I have learned to be content. That is faith. I have learned, so it's a process. It doesn't just, you know, but I have learned to be content. And by the grace of God, then none of us will ever be in the position where Paul was a, a prisoner in a, in, a, in a jail where he had to learn to be content with Whatever. But our learning to be content, maybe it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a financial difficulty, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a sickness, it's a whatever it is, but it's learning to be content. It's something that comes out of your heart that says, you know what, God, you are not linked to my health and prosperity. You are linked to my decision. To love you. And then you'd be surprised when you, when you take away the focus. And look, I'm not, I don't want to condemn or judge or, or, or speak negative about anybody. Because like I said before, it's, we, it's none of our business. But what I'm saying is that we, we create, like, like for the demons, we create a frame of mind where if something doesn't work, we look at ourselves, we didn't do something right. Because that person died, because that person is sick, because that person doesn't want to get, to get well, because that person I prayed for, he's been tithing all his life, and I prayed for him, and he went bankrupt anyway. But somewhere along the line, you take yourself and you go, I didn't pray enough, I didn't believe enough, I didn't do something enough. And that 
is a lie. Because we live in a corrupt world that's been hit by sin. The air that you breathe is loaded with bugs. The, the, the crazy guy out there with a, with, a, with, a, with a belt, with explosive belt, the crazy guy with a, with a knife. The, 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 I mean, we, we, we live in a crazy world. We live in a, in a fallen world. And unfortunately, on a, on a regular basis, this world comes at us. Why? Because the prince of this world hates your father. And my father. And every time he looks at you, you remind him of the one he hates. And that's why he comes at you with everything he has. Now, are you protected? Are you? Of course you are. You are inside the Spirit of God. But the moment that you come out of that protection, and you put your protection in your faith, in your confession, in your tithing, in your not going to the doctor, or not, not taking medicine, in your doing something, anything, you have taken yourself away from the cover of grace, and you've put yourself out into your own effort. And boy, you don't want to be there. So, um, 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4, 9. It says this. Again, Paul is talking to his, uh, to his spiritual son and he says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thess Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. So Paul is lonely. Okay? He's alone. And he says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Now listen to this. And, and Tychicus. Next son I have called Tychicus. And Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus. Now listen to this. This is Paul. This is, this is the guy that is supposed to be one of the most prosperous human beings in the Bible. He says, bring the cloak... That I left with Carpus. Carpus is also a nice name. Carpus. It's a name Carpus. Your brother Tychicus. Okay. Carpus and Tychicus at Troas. Troas is also a nice place. It says, bring the cloak that I left and the books, especially the parchments. Bring the cloak. Bring, bring the cloak. One cloak. Bring one cloak and especially the parchments. That's all he had. That's all Paul had. It, it, was, uh, it was Don Bosco. She's got nothing to do with Bosco. Bosco, yeah, Bosco. Don Bosco was a, was a Jesuit priest that uh, started a, uh, a chain of orphanages. He ended up with over 2,000 all over the world. And uh, he, was a, he was a magnificent man. And at the end, uh, the last day of his life, he was on, on his deathbed. And uh, one of his spiritual sons was next to his bed, um, and, and uh, he, was, he was ready to go. And uh, Don Bosco looked around, and, and, and he looked at this wrist, and he had a plastic watch. 
And he took it off and he gave it to him. He says, now I can go. I've given everything I have. Now, is that right? It's right for him. I, I, I like I like things. I like a nice car, I like a nice watch, I like I like life. But you know what? If if you put your reason for happiness there, you can count on it. The devil is gonna love to take it away from you. However, that's what again we're looking at God as a father. Every father will take joy, will, will rejoice in the fact that his children are prosperous and they are well off. But he will not be happy when that prosperity will drive them away from him. Or when they will come to you and say, I will confess three times in your face that all my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, now because I've done that, you need to give me something. But that's what we do, sadly. Next cow. The Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Matthew 6. Now this might not look like a, a very uplifting message tonight. But hang in there. Because there's freedom in these things. You, 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 you have to... You have to get rid of stuff to be able to run. As long as you're stuck. It's, is it true or not that it almost becomes an accusation if you don't have enough money? It almost becomes an accusation if you're not totally healed. If there's something that you've been dragging with you for the last two years. And every time somebody says, Jesus heals. And somebody comes to, to the front and gives a, a testimony. And at the back of the hall, there's someone sitting there and saying, Well, it worked for you. It didn't work for me. Must be something wrong with me. Hmm? It's like that. I'm telling you, it's like that. Sadly, we put the limelight on, on, on miracles, whatever you want to call them. And in the meantime, 95 out of 100 are living a normal life where, where, where the world comes at you bah, and slaps you across the face and reel a little bit and, and then you, you, you have to recover. And, then you, you, and in the meantime, basically the message is if you're not totally prosperous, totally healed, totally this and that, that is something the matter. So hang in there. We're going we're gonna to have a good message eventually. Matthew 6, 12. This is, uh, this is what I told you before, but uh, this is what uh, Jesus uh, teaches a bunch of unrepentant Jews. And he says, this is how you pray. Ask the Father to forgive you like you forgive your others. And the purpose, like, like Paul in the book of Romans, he says that the purpose of the law was to show up sin. 
That's the whole purpose of Jesus speaking to the Jews is to show up their sin. And he was saying to them, Go, you think you can do it? Go ahead and do it. Ask the Father to forgive you. You think you, you are good enough to be able to be forgiven? Ask Him to forgive you like you forgive your friends. And we pray that prayer every, every Sunday. Ask, Jesus says, and forgive, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And look, it says, forgive those who sin against us. Like, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to pray that prayer. That to me is, the, is, is a dead trap. But we do it. Why? Because we don't stop, we don't think. It's tradition, it's always been doing done like that. It's a sacred cow. You can't touch it, you can't touch it. It's the, it's the Lord's prayer. Okay, then go ahead and pray. Think, stop, think and say, God, please forgive me. Like I forgive the person that runs this country. Come on. Come on. We were talking about the Guptas just now. Come on, Father, forgive me like I forgive the Guptas. <coughs> Hello? Straight to hell. Don't pass. Go, don't collect 200 rands. Straight to hell. You are not going to be forgiven. Check this. Um, 14 and 15. This carries on. Uh, Jesus says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Wonderful. But if you do not forgive men the trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Oops. But we've always been prayed like but we've always said how couldn't there be some a different angle why Jesus is saying that? Couldn't he be talking to the Jews and say, guys? Understand, you cannot do it without grace. You cannot ask God to forgive you because you forgive. You cannot, you want to do it, go ahead and do it. But if you don't forgive, He won't forgive you. If you apply the law to others, God will apply the law to you. That's why grace is so important but if you take that and you go and open it up to the average church on a Sunday morning they'll kill you they'll stone you to death and yet there it is we ask God to forgive us as we forgive others crazy Ephesians 4.32 Ah, yes, that's what I wanted to say. There, Jesus says to the Jews, Forgive others, otherwise God will not forgive you. Right? So, in other words, he makes forgiveness from God conditional upon 
a request. Please forgive me. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Now watch what the New Testament says. Paul is talking to the Ephesians and he says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. No questions asked. Also, as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. That's how you forgive. In other words, you don't wait for them to deserve to be forgiven. You forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. And that's grace. And that's the way that the New Testament says we're supposed to do it. And that's, what, that's the one that's difficult. It's much easier the sacred cow that says... Uh, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against the world. Do you, do, you, do you hear what you're saying? Okay, next. Of course it's not. Well, Joe, let me, let me put it to you this way. It's nonsense and it's not. Because unforgiveness works through your mind. Remember, remember that picture that I gave you? Your spirit is, re- is renewed and is perfect in Christ. It's perfection in Christ. Okay, your spirit, your heart, your spirit is like, is like Jesus himself. So now that... Has supposed to, is supposed to minister to your mind, and your mind gets renewed, and eventually your, your, your renewed mind starts ministering to your body. Through what? Through unforgiveness, through, you know, how you get rid of toxins and, and, and very practical things, not spiritual things, very practical things. Unforgiveness is there's one thing stress, anger, all things, all sins. Under the Old Testament, well, still under the New Testament, but forgiven. But if you if you're stressful, Jesus said, "Don't worry about anything, because your Father knows what you what you need for before you ask." So what is stress? Stress is a sin. That sin has sent a lot of people to death. Not because God say, "Ah, now you're stressing out." Ah, <laughs> When she got married, the day she got married, she wouldn't speak to her mother, father, or her other siblings, there were seven of them, until the day she died. Mm. She died, she lasted till 92. The only thing she had was a bypass, but 30 years prior to that, but that's because she was a big. Yeah, but that's, you see, Joe, that's the thing. The thing is that we take the Bible and we apply it to us. We apply it to general, to everybody. It's not. She managed to go through unforgiveness. How many people do you know that go through unforgiveness and they, they're quite happy? They see a lot of people. Yeah. They, they, they love love. Yeah. I don't know why. It's like David, David when, he, when he wrote the psalm and he said, I am Furious because you don't kill the unrighteous. And we, we think that we need, to, we need to take God and put him in a little box and tell him what to do. Okay, that guy's bad, he's a sinner. Kill the Guptas, come on. What's, just an just a, just a aircraft accident. Nobody knows anything. Come on, just a birth strike. Take off, birth strike, go on, finish. JC, just, just 
something, just take him out. I mean, after all, South Africa, it's, it's worth saving, isn't it? But that's how we think. And so, but one thing for sure is that unforgiveness and strife and anger and that kind of thing will work in your body physically through toxins and through uh, nerves and through other things like that. But it's not God that, that is, ah, you're sinning in it. No, it, that's what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus is saying, he's saying, guys, do you realize that you cannot pray that prayer? You can only operate by grace. You can only go through this life through me. And that's why Paul says, he says, you need to, you need to forgive one another as, G, as God in Christ forgave you. So, ah, yeah, con- conditional forgiveness. 1 John 1 9. This is another, another sacred cow of the evangelical church. This particular one, the particular sacred cow, say, goes like this. God will forgive you conditional upon your asking, your repentance and your asking for forgiveness. In other words, forgiveness on the part of God is conditional upon something that you have to do. In other words, when Jesus went to the cross and he asked the Father to forgive you, he didn't do it. Because according to the scripture, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, question. Were you born again? Yeah. Were you cleansed from all unrighteousness when you were born again? Yeah. So he's not talking to you. For he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Him. So we were made the righteous. We have been declared righteous. We've been washed from all unrighteousness once and for all. So who is He talking to? Well, again, it's not about you. What In those days, there was a group of people called the Gnostics who maintained the philosophy that sin is in the head of the religious people. There's not such a thing as sin. And that everybody is automatically saved by this God, this great God in the sky. So that's why John is talking and he's saying, uh, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the truth is not in us. He's talking to a group of people that maintained there is not such a thing as sin. So it's not about you. We've taken that and we made the, the forgiveness of God conditional upon me asking. Just, just look how stupid that is. The blood of Jesus has been shed. The cross, as, as Jesus has died on the cross. The, everything is done, once and for all. The blood is shed. I made a mistake, sorry. No, you, know, you don't get forgiven until you ask me. This is what he says. If we ask, he forgives. If we don't, he doesn't. Swivel chair. You behave, I look at you. 
You misbehave. Behave. Look at you. You misbehave. This is the God that is being preached in most of the churches every Sunday. And the sad part is that you can never find freedom to be able to approach God. Now, is there a, a, a healthy sense of I'm sorry when, when, you, when you sin, when you do something wrong? Of course. Of course. But you're not forgiven because you ask. We go back to the Catholics. We have the Protestants, they're not protesting anymore. They, 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 they've become Catholics. The Catholics go to a man in a pine wood box and talk to him about being forgiven. We go to God, we do the same thing. We're not forgiven until we ask him. It's done, once and for all. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive him for the... Done. Don't worry, your blood is good enough. Once and for all has made perfect forever those who have been sanctified. Over and over and over and over and over. And then comes one verse of scripture that says, If we ask, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Sorry, I don't have any unrighteousness. No, could you say that? It's easy, watch me. I don't have any unrighteousness. I'm a son of God. Sons of God don't have unrighteousness. Tell me. Paul. Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul, Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Okay. Uh, Saul of Tarsus, he, he persecuted, he persecuted the church. He killed the Christians. He, he had, he, he and then in, in the book of Corinthians, he says, uh, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, yeah, something, something. Because that man died. Okay. On the road to Damascus, that man died and a new one was born. But that's, is this applicable to what you were explaining now? Because he popped into my mind, I just didn't know his name. Yeah, no, he is exactly what we're talking about. He's a, he's a man that can say, that can make a statement. There's nothing wrong with me. There's no unrighteousness in me. Why? Because I am a son of God. I'm a new creature. I'm, I was born again. I'm not the one that I used to be. I'm a new one. So, uh, the altar call. Ah, Colossians 2.13. Let's just see what Colossians 2.13 says. Colossians 2.13 says... Ah. We're talking about, we're talking about uh, um, condition of forgiveness. Colossians 2.13 says this. And you, being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, how can a dead man ask for forgiveness? And you, being dead, has made alive, having forgiven you all trespasses. You see how crazy it is? A dead man cannot ask for forgiveness. Ah, yeah, that's what I, was, I wanted to tell you about the Catholics. The Catholics, that's what they do. They have, this, uh, they have the seven sacraments. That, uh, the last one is the ex uh, extreme unction. 
and it's the one that uh, they come usually in a, in, a, in a hospital when you're busy dying and, and the priest arrives uh, when he came into my mother's house I said he arrived with these old paraphernalia and the candles and the nuns and everything he said we come for the extreme unction I said my mother is born again thank you very much she's going to heaven turn around and go yeah but I said go okay you ain't gonna pray no stupid prayer over my mom uh uh just now she thinks okay now I'm okay because the priest threw some holy water over, over my head but that's what they do you know why they do it it's because they think they have to confess the last sin. Extreme unction. I come and I give you forgiveness and just pray that nobody's going to make you upset between now and the moment you die. Because if you swear, that's it, you lost your salvation. Can what? Burn the candles? Yeah, no, they come with the candles. They, they, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's 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 that's tradition. You see that that is what tradition has done. Jesus Himself said, "Your traditions have made the word of God of no effect." And we don't we don't look at that. We and we traditions in the evangelical church, in the Pentecostal church, in the charismatic church, it's the same thing. One Corinthians one 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 John one nine. It's a tradition. If we confess, and you will hear. The biggest preachers on TBN that will say that. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive all our sins. No, He's not. He's already done that. So, He doesn't have to do it. Either your sins are forgiven, or they're not. If they're not, my strong suggestion is that you give your heart to the Lord. But now, before you have communion, <laughs> Joe, you start. You see, you see how strong that the tradition is. The tradition is so strong inside your mind. You need to. You need to get. Your sins have been forgiven. I. The Father looks at you. Do you know why? You know why Paul was talking about that in the Corinthians. You know why he said that you people die and everything? Because they used to get drunk at the, at the Lord's table. And they would die because they were drunk. They were having too much alcohol in their bodies. Not because they forgot to examine yourself. Stop drinking. Stop eating like a pig. They were, they were having orgies at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the Lord's table. And let me give you a piece of information. Orgies are not orgies. Check First Corinthians 1. Check out Paul addresses the people in Corinth to the saints in Corinth. The first chapter in Corinthians. Okay. The 11th chapter about the, the communion and everything. But in the first, Paul addresses the Corinthians. There was a guy that was going to bathe in his mom-in-law. No, I mean, no. We step out. And yet Paul calls him to the saints in Corinth. Why? Because you are saints by application, not by behavior. No. You'll never make it, Joe. You'll never make it. You'll never confess all the sins. 
There will always be something that you don't remember. And God is sitting there. God is sitting there in heaven with a book of that. Did he say it? No. Hey, that's it. Got him. Kill him. Yes. My, I saw one, this one time my nephew is not taking communion and this really disturbed me inside my heart. So when everything was finished, um, and luckily he came to my mother's house, and I called him and I said, hey, Jack, I, saw, um, I just want to speak with you privately. And I speak to him and I'm like, I, I saw something very disturbing I, I, and it, 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 it really made my heart sad. Um, I didn't see you use communion. You didn't um, have any of, you know, you didn't sit at the table of God, you know, his body and his blood and stuff. And um, he said to me, because last night I went out with my friends and I just had like two glasses of it. I was sitting there in church. Yeah, maybe a little bit more than two glasses. I, I was so guilty. Yeah. And um, you know me, I'm not supposed to yeah. uh, have communion in and look how, look how religion robs him of the blessing of going to the father and saying, Dad, I messed up last night. I'm sorry, but here I am. I said to him, listen here, he just knows that sometimes you will do stuff you're not supposed to. But um, I, I just want you to understand that um, you were supposed to be part of it. Do you know that, that I, I get I get messages uh, well every day on Facebook, but but from Italy, uh, is it right that uh, the pastor doesn't serve me in communion because I because I smoke? Yeah, he polluting the temple of God. Yeah, polluting the temple of God. I mean, God could. <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here! <laughs> you know what? To this, to this one, to this one uh, young man who wrote me, I said, uh, uh, "Do you think Judas smoked? Because Jesus gave him communion." <clears throat> no, no, work that out. Okay. Uh, the altar call. Okay, we, we need to move. Guys, you're listening too slowly. Uh, Matthew 7. This is... The altar call is something that uh, started happening when uh, uh, in, the, in the middle of last century, in the 1950s, 19, 19, late 40s, 50s, uh, and especially uh, with Billy Graham's crusades. It never happened before. <coughs> The altar call never happened before. It started with these crusades when at the end there would be this invitation to come forward. And again, don't hear me saying I judge it or I condemn it. I don't. I got saved through an altar call. What I'm saying is that it's a sacred cow that doesn't exist in the Bible. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28. And so it was... Now, Jesus is, this is at the end of the famous Sermon of the Mount. He's up on top of the mountain, and he's got multitudes, the majority of them being sinners. So he's just finished preaching the, the greatest 
sermon on earth. He's, he's told them, he showed them that they all failed to make the grade, to make God's grade. So they need grace. Wouldn't that be the best moment to say, okay, all the eyes closed, all the head bowed. Uh, if you want to, I see that hand, I see that hand, thank you for that hand, and I see that hand. Watch what happens. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one, having authority, as not, and not as the scribes. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. That's it. Had he had an altar call, it would have been recorded in Scripture. And Jesus asked the people to receive Him as their Lord and Savior. And 2,547 hands went up. Now, uh, 8-1, okay, that's it. The service. The service is another, it's another thing that, uh, that we have uh, generated through years of... Uh, the reason why... Uh, I was reading it today, actually, interesting... The reason why we have what we have, the famous service, the service on Sunday morning, like the way we have it, is because uh, uh, in the beginning, um, people were not literate. They couldn't read, right? They could only hear. So they would, they would try and gather as many people as possible so that they would, they would, they would say the things only once. They would read a, a piece of parchment, they would, they, they would pray, they would do... But it's never been three songs, the offering, two songs, a preach, and everything. In fact, I read, I read something from a guy that said, You know what? I can listen to sermons while I'm driving. What I'm longing for is fellowship. And that's the reason why the church was created. To be together with the saints. Not to look at each other's head and listen to someone preaching. Mm. And I mean, I've been guilty for many years of doing exactly the same thing. But at least I tried to put the tables. Remember when I put the tables? I put the tables and I said, now come on, let's try. And then I got so many stones and everything. I said, I forget it. You want to look at each other's head? Just look at each other's head. I enjoy preaching anyway, so what the heck. But I mean, that's, that, that is the, the whole idea of church. It's not the service. It's not to go there and sit and look at each other's head, the back of the head, and, 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 and be led into worship, and then, you know, listen to someone preaching a message. That's not the way it's supposed to be, the service. Hebrews 10.25 said, the gathering of yourself together. Uh, Hebrews 10.25. Do not forsake. Uh, it says, uh, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as in the matter of some exhorting one another and so much more. It's, it's an assembly, it's a getting together, it's a sitting down, it's a sharing of the Lord's Supper, it's a talking, it's a, it's a listening to what, what your problem is. And now what, we, what we've done, we've taken it at least, we put it into the small groups, but the small groups are not supposed to, it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen in church. It's supposed to happen. That's why it's called celebration. They used to break bread in the house and then they celebrate in the church. It's be, be together and enjoy and make and make noise and have, at least thank God that we have coffee and things with we can we can we can enjoy that. Romans twelve eight and then 
Romans 12, 8 is, uh, is when it says that everybody should be part of this thing. It says, uh, um, starting from 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let, them, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith and ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with, leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So basically, it's a participation of everybody in this thing called a celebration. Another, another cow, sacred cow, this one is, this one is a bad one, tithing, 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 2 Corinthians, let me hurry, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and again, this is what, and, and again, please don't, I mean, if you enjoy tithing, tithe. I'm not, this is not another doctrine. This is not a different doctrine from the one you had. It's another tradition. This is just the way that I see the truth that liberates, liberated me from being stuck under traditions that I don't find in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7. This is what it says. What, what is the tithing law says? Malachi 3.10. Bring therefore the tithing to the house of the member food in the house. Okay? The whole tithing to the house. Uh, lest you shall be cursed with the curse. Okay. This is what he says. This is the New Testament. That was the Old Testament. The New Testament. But this I say. This is Paul. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Dun, 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 dun. Paul, you're supposed to say, let, let each one give 10% of his income and the gross, not the net, the gross, otherwise you're not blessed in your taxes. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I was told this, if you, if you tithe on your gross, God will bless you in your taxes. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, in other words, not being forced for God loves a cheerful giver. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of the week, Sunday, let each one of you bring 10%. Let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. Bring something. As you prosper. If you got a lot of money, bring lots of offering. But this is what he's saying. Bring something as you will. Okay. Uh, judgment. <laughs> oh, this one is nice. John, we haven't got time to. John 1.29. Okay, I've, I've got to, I've got to let go here. John 1.29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We covered this, but basically this is it. Either Jesus took away the sin of the world or he didn't. Okay? If he didn't, then you're still bound to be judged. But if he did, then judgment is gone. 1 John 14.7 says this. Ah. Peter... John. 1 John 
4.17, 1 John 4.17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So, what does it mean? It means that if you fear, if you, not, if you realize that you've been judged already, and that you understand the love of God, you have no fear because judgment involves punishment. And judgment involves torment. And so torment will be there and will bug you only if you think that God has not forgiven you. Okay, sorry, let me, let me just... And then witnessing. Witnessing is the, is the other one that, uh, that is, a, is, a, is a sacred cow. Uh, and it's, it's got nothing to do with, uh, with going... Uh, um, door to door, knocking at doors and telling them about, uh, or going into a street or going into a square and no, it's, it's, it's got to do with, with you, with your character, with, your, with people looking at you and saying, I, 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 I like you, you're a nice person remember we, I spoke to you about the Chanel number no. 5 the, the, the fragrance that we, we throw out that's how you witness, that's how you fish okay, now uh, this is a photo that bugged me when, I, when the first time I saw it, and it's Mel Gibson uh, on the on the set of uh, of uh, the Passion of the Christ, and and I've written this. Uh, I've written um, Jesus is always near you. In the middle of tragedy, he's there. On the summit of success, he's there. In the abyss of failure, he's there. When I'm good and when I'm bad, when things go well and when things crumble around me, when I feel His presence and when I don't feel anything, even if I believe in Him or I don't, He's always there. Seated next to me, He listens to my fears and trepidations. He listens without judging. He calms the storm, sometimes on the sea, sometimes in my heart. He understands the chaos and recalibrates the compass. Protecting, guiding, loving. Yes, he knows all things and stays next to me. He wrote the script. He directed the movie and he acted in the main part. And yet, in the midst of all that, he smiles. Because he, he knows the end of the movie. What I'm trying to say is this. That one of the greatest sacred cat is the one that Jesus lives in the church in this in this atmosphere of uh, uh, holy place. Or... But people work. People live. People have a normal life. Do we, do we leave Jesus in the church on Sunday morning? If we do, then we, don't, we, we haven't understood. Jesus said, I have come to bring you life. Life, not doctrine, not church, not, no, not life. And life more abundantly. In other words, in every moment of your life, where you go, where you walk, where you listen, when you're sad, when you're happy, when you're up, when you're down, when you're good, when you're bad, when you feel His presence, when you don't feel His presence, He's right there with you. Right now, my Jesus is right in here. Right in here. And I hope he's happy with what I'm doing. He knows that I'm going a bit too long, but, uh, but, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done in five minutes. We don't have time to, to, to do what, uh, what I wanted to do. But this is, this is a photo that I, that I found of the, of the road to a mouse. And, and, and the guy in jeans is talking to two normal guys. And every day, you remember the story in Luke 24. Luke 24, the, these two guys were going in the wrong direction. They were doing the wrong thing. Jesus says, I will 
be resurrected in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit will come down in Jerusalem. Okay? These two guys were going away from Jerusalem to a mouse. They were on the wrong road. They were doing the wrong things. They were disobeying. They were sinning. They were going away from what Jesus said to do. They were not doing the will of God. And Jesus shows up next to them and He doesn't tell them, Hey, you bad guys, you... Did I tell you to wait in Jerusalem? What are you doing here? And He starts talking to them. And He starts mixing with them. And they don't even recognize Him because Jesus is here. Jesus every day. The Spirit of God... Hey, you, you need to understand that you don't leave him in church. You don't leave him in a book. You don't leave him on Monday night in the Bible study. You, he's here. He's there with you all the time. Whether you're bad, you're good, you're ugly. You, you can talk to him. You can, you can, you can pray with him. You can, you can discuss things with him. You can tell him, I'm having a problem with this. Help me. Because he's right there with you. Right here, right now. And you need to, you need to kill that sacred cow that somehow is locked into this sphere, into this world of religion. And unfortunately, that's it. It's like when you go Monday morning to the office, it's like another world. It's like, I, I behave in a certain way in church, but then Monday morning is a different story. Now, no, this is the real life. Yes, that's the real life. That's what Jesus is in the real life. And he's come to bring you life. And, and so he talks to them and, and he walks to them and they tell him, are you the only one that doesn't know what's happening? And he says, no, what, what happened? He says, no man, come on, the, Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet. Okay, and if, if they said that to me, I would have said, excuse me, prophet, excuse me? I'm not a prophet, I'm son of God, if you don't mind. No, Jesus... No, you know why? Because he loves you, whether you talk nonsense or not. And he talks to them and he says, Ah, oh, yeah, tell me about the prophet. Yeah, what happened? No, he, he, he died, man. Come on, you're the only one who doesn't know. He died on the third day. He was, supposed to, he was supposed to be raised. And some of the women talk nonsense that they saw him. And he said, Hello. <laughs> no, nothing. He just carried on normal life. Life, normal life. Doesn't judge, doesn't do anything. They get to a place, I'm running, I'm running fast, but I need you to see this. They get, they get to a place, they get inside, uh, and he, he, he makes as if he's going away, because he's not going to force his, his presence on you. He's there, and he'll, he'll be with you if you acknowledge him, and if you acknowledge him, but if you want to talk to him, he'll be with you. If you don't want to talk to him, he's also with you. And they say, no, please stay, the day is... Uh, okay. So he says, okay. So he breaks bread. So he takes some bread and he breaks it. And he gives it to them. And in the, and in the, uh, in the Middle East, in, 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 in Israel, the way that you offer, give bread to someone, is you give it with an open hand like this. Have you ever asked yourself why he disappeared after they recognized him, after they gave off the bread? Because all of a sudden, he went, and they saw, and they saw their hands. And in that, in that gesture, he didn't say, I'm Jesus. He didn't say, I'm God. Say, hey, you, get back to Jerusalem, man. You're doing the wrong thing, man. You're disobeying me, you know. You better fast and pray for that. No, 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 no. He said, check it, check it. No more nails. No more nails. They're gone. 
I'm alive. Here, take the bread of life and live. And that moment, they recognized him. And he went from the outside, on the inside. Yeah, amen. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Daddy God, that you are in our hearts and you're walking with us. You're talking to us. We are swinging together to the rhythm of grace. And I thank you for it, Lord. I pray for every person here tonight, Lord, and those who couldn't come. I pray for your blessing. I pray for your, your, your holding them close to your heart and let them feel how much you love them and how much you appreciate them, Lord. Because some of us need to hear that you appreciate us just the way we are. And so I pray for every one of them that they, 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 will, they will stop looking at what is required by religion and they will start looking what is offered by the Spirit of God. Beauty, grace, life, life abundant. I bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.